Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution added another three points to their tally on the season, winning 3-2 to two in Chicago, redeeming themselves after that disappointing season opener back in April, I think. I think it was April. Uh, the Revolution now have set their franchise record for most wins in a season, most points in a season, uh, and certainly are getting right back on the correct path after a frustrating 1-1 draw last Saturday. I am Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Chris Lucas. Chris, how are you doing? What was your key takeaway from tonight's match? Greg, doing fantastic. Look, Revolution have clinched a playoff spot with seven games remaining. I don't know if I ever dreamed I would be saying that at this point uh, in the season. So, yeah, doing fantastic. No complaints on this side. I mean, there's probably some complaints about the game that we could talk about. But overall, not doing fantastic, doing great. My key takeaway, look, all match I was just kind of looking at this game and saying, there's one player that this team is really missing tonight, and it's really showing. He ended up getting subbed on late in the match in the 84th minute. That's Dewan Jones, of course. I didn't think he was going to get subbed on. Uh, I thought it, maybe Buxa would be the late sub, the last sub that the Revolution would use. I was wrong, and I'm okay being wrong with that because I thought Dewan Jones was was definitely a needed piece. Um, I don't want to detract too much from Mafla because I don't think he did necessarily too much wrong, but I don't think he did a whole lot to really help the Revolution. Uh, and it really showed coming down um, Chicago's right-hand side. They were dr- delivering a lot of crosses down that way because Moffat doesn't have the same skill set to really track back like Dewan Jones does. And Moffat is also not necessarily up h- as high up the field to be able to press from that position as Dewan Jones is. And just missing Dewan all match, I think, really was a big problem for the Revolution. And Chicago capitalized on it. Uh, the second goal that they scored came from that side and many other um, crosses as well. Like Really, really good crosses that you're saying these should not be coming into the into the box right in front of Matt Turner. Um, Chicago missed several chances as well from, from crosses coming in from that side. So uh, Dewan Jones, I think, is possibly criminally underrated within MLS. Maybe not so much in the New England Revolution circle. I think a lot of the fans understand his value. But yeah, my, my takeaway 100% tonight is Dewan Jones and the fact that this team really needs him uh, if they're going to be uh, contending for a championship. Yeah, and what's what's interesting is one person I wanted to highlight, and we talked about this a little bit in the pregame Twitter spaces too, is Christian Mafla. And this was a really, really big game for him. And I said, you know, I really don't know what to expect from him tonight. Um, but one thing that was kind of brought up, and I believe Matt made this point uh, as well, uh, again, another correct point was Mafla is probably going to be pushing up. He's probably going to be um, getting involved in the offense a little bit. And I think what we saw a little bit with some of those defensive breakdowns, um, like the second goal, I know that went down that right side where Mafla should have been. Um, but but one thing I noted was I was kind of trying to pay attention, and, and I might go back and rewatch some of this to, to kind of pay a little bit more attention to, but um, Mafla, when he's pushing up, where's Luis Caicedo? And I, I kind of noticed... I think it might have been that Mafla and Caicedo have never played with one another. Um, was Caicedo going to be able to drop back into the spaces that Mafla is leaving open when he pushes up? Um, so I, I think maybe that whole side was just a little 
discombobulated. Um, it kind of gave me flashbacks of the uh, first 10 minutes of the, the season um, when Tejan Buchanan was at left back, and that just seemed like a, a or sorry, left wing, uh, just seemed like a, a bit of a mix up with him and, and Duanjin. So maybe that Mafla Caicedo pairing just didn't get off on the right foot and seemed a little lost at times. Overall, I thought Christian Mafla had some good moments, had some not so great moments. Um, I think everyone will point out that. I believe it was his man that conceded the first goal for Chicago. Um, but overall, Kaysi- uh, uh, sorry, uh, Mafla had 71% pass accuracy, um, which is only 10 for 14, which is not great. He had a couple of decent crosses. He was over two on crosses, but one of them I noted, uh, he had a kind of a weird like spin move down there in the 44th minute and then beat his man, uh, kind of swung it in. It looked like it just barely missed Kizza, who was on the far post or on, at least on the far side of goal. Um, so he had a, I give positive marks for that play there. Um, I believe the second cross was headed away by a defender, led to Teal Bunbury kind of gathering it, and it led to the Carlos Hill kind of weak shot, weak right-footed shot. Uh, so he had two pretty dangerous crosses, but that was really it for, for offense. I was kind of, kind of hoping for a little bit more from him. Uh, no key passes. Um, I believe defensively, too, was not great. He was 5 for 13 on duels. He did have six clearances, um, but yeah, he won for... If you want to talk about his involvement in the game, too, he had 39 touches, and Dwan James, when he came in, he had eight touches, so you put that together, that's uh, 40-something touches. I'm not doing math right now, but it's 41 touches, I think, or so, for that left-back position. Dwan Jones, when he plays 90 minutes, he gets about uh, somewhere between 95 and 105 touches a game. So that's a huge like uh, change to this offense, uh, as well as you know the defense. I guess uh, as far as where the where they're playing through, they played through Dewan Jones a ton, and the fact that they didn't have him out there, I think, really, really uh, was felt. I, I'm going to give Mafla. I, I agree with everything you just said. I'm willing to give Mafla a bit of a pass on this game because. This was a weekend lineup. It just seemed like the Revs as a whole were booting it long. They were in clearance mode a long time. Um, I kind of wanted to see what Mafla could do a little bit more offensively, and you're right. He didn't put in as many touches or as many uh, attacking actions that we were kind of hoping to see from him. Uh, but I think this game was the Revs scored early, kind of dropped back, really played, I don't want to say conservatively, but they kind of played on their back foot throughout the remainder of that first half. There were just swaths of time where this team just seemed outmatched by Chicago. And I know it's a road game. I know it's a a weekend lineup, but there was a lot of booting it long and just, you know, please, for the love of God, get the ball out of the box today, which, um, you know, wasn't pleasing. So, yeah, I I think Mofla's numbers aren't going to look great with Dewan Jones, as you said. Um, But I'm, I'm... I don't think he, he's taken any minutes from Dewan Jones. I think your overall takeaway is correct. That this team uh, really missed Dewan Jones tonight, and he is an offensive weapon, and we don't know how good we have it. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be a little bullish uh, on Christian Mofla. Uh, the Mofla I, I, I'm included in the Mofla hive. I've learned that as a uh, thing. So I am pro Mofla. I'm in the Mofla hive. Um, I'm fine with him as a backup left back. I'm, I'm not saying he deserves minute over Dewan, but um, tonight I, I saw I, some some positives, some negatives. Uh, and uh, overall, I, I don't think I learned a whole ton from him. So um, yeah, anyway, that might be a little more of an extensive conversation on Christian Moffa than we were expecting to do, Chris. Uh, but uh, absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I guess Mikey takeaway. I mean, you mentioned missing Dewan Jones. I wanted to point out that I think that the Revs missed two other people that I think are a little bit more valuable than we expected. One is Matt Polster, who, 
you know, I, I think everyone loves and, and knows is kind of that anchor to the midfield. There were just times that this team could just not carry the ball out of their final third. Um, so I'm not going to elaborate too much on Matt Polster tonight, but tonight was the first night we saw the Henry Kessler-John Bell pairing. Uh, by my math, which might be wrong, this is the first time in 35 games uh, that Andrew Farrell did not start. And I believe this is the first time in 44 games Andrew Farrell did not make an appearance. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure these are the first minutes that Andrew Farrell has missed all 2021 seasons. So it's yeah. pretty impressive by him. And Bruce said earlier in the season that he would go to a Kessler-Bell pairing eventually. Um, he did say earlier in the season, we made those comments back in May, back when it seemed like there was a Kessler-Bell competition for that center, second center back spot, uh, that he, he wanted to get Bell more involved. He wanted to establish a third center back. And he said, eventually we'll see a Kessler-Bell pairing. And then we went most of the season without seeing it. Um, and, and Bruce kind of said that, you know, both of these guys are young center backs. We need a veteran presence like Andrew Farrell back there. Uh, and I think tonight we might have seen what this back line looks like without having a veteran in the center of the, the back line there. Um, obviously, Kessler and Bell, I, I think, had some pretty good moments, notably that first goal. Um, but there was a lot of scrambling. There was a lot of last-ditch defense. Um, the second goal was horrific and I, I don't want to pin that specifically on the center back pairing, but you wonder if you have a leader like Andrew Farrell back there, if that plays out a little bit differently. I, I don't know. I can't make that statement, but that was a disaster. Um, there was the play where Matt Turner is kind of off his line. He's scrambling and Kessler kicks it away from uh, off, off the back line. Um, but that play really, as it developed, it just seemed like revolution players were running everywhere. And uh, I don't know, just seemed like a lot of scrambling tonight. Didn't seem organized at all. It might be, you know, the midfield, you might be missing Matt Polster. It might be because you're missing Andrew Farrell. I'm not totally sure. I'd have to go back and, and watch this one again. But just seemed like the revolution were missing two very big veteran presences uh, in the field today. And, you know, for a weak team like Chicago, who hasn't scored in three straight games. I believe they haven't, they've scored one goal in five games. And they're coming out of this game with, I believe, an expected goal. They, uh, Chicago had 3.26 expected goals tonight. Um, you know, I, I really poor They dominated. Yeah, not, not a great performance. And, and we can say it's a B-team lineup, and certainly there's B players in the midfield. But, you know, I don't think a back line of Christian Moffla, Henry Kessler, John Bell, and A.J. DeGarza, obviously the outside backs are, are you know, your backups. But, um, you know, a, a Kessler-Bell pairing is not necessarily a huge downgrade. So um, I, I was not encouraged by that tonight. And as I say, I think they're missing some veteran presences out there. Yeah, and if you want to talk about uh, the, the just the, the missing – uh, of the players um we've highlighted three players specifically and it's matt poster uh it was andrew farrell and Jawan jones and we're talking all defensive players here and that's been the big issue and i don't think you know maybe putting a, a real serious eye on the defense is a bad way to look at this because it, it that really was a lot of the issues of tonight matt turner also came up with several huge saves uh, you know, doing Matt Turner things, the things that he does. Henry Kessler got, according to the Chicago broadcast, the save of the match, um, which was a fantastic save by him uh, getting back to to get back in goal once uh, Turner had a bad deflection that centered up, uh, teed up a nice shot for Chicago. But yeah, I think the story of the match is that there was uh, key defenders that were missing and it really did hurt the revolution. Absolutely. Uh, I will say that this is 
typically when we've done at Twitter Spaces, it's been a little bit more Q&A. If you guys want to join in on the conversation, if you're listening in and you want to uh, voice an opinion, you want to get a takeoff, uh, feel free. I think you can request to listen and we can get you involved. I already see Sam Minton is here. We're going to have to get him on soon. I guess the <laughs> press conference is over. Uh, but we also have some listener questions that we will run through throughout this uh, uh uh, whatever we call it, podcast Twitter spaces. So, uh, Sam, I'm going to bring you in. I might regret this. I'm going to have to relearn how to mute people, but I guess you let me on your Twitter spaces, so I'll let you come on yours. Sam, how, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing good. I hope you guys can hear me well. I'm making my post-game uh, walk to the convenience store to get Monster to stay up for the night and write all night. Um, <laughs> so doing good, but I wanted to ask specifically, because I was talking uh, – Bruce Arena and Henry Kessler, or excuse me, Teal Bunbury, but Luis Caicedo, and I had great things to say about him, so I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on uh, Luis Caicedo. Uh, we also got this question from Mike Kennedy on Twitter, who says our take, he wants our take on Caicedo's performance. Did he do uh, enough to earn more minutes? Uh, we also got a question on Discord uh, from Tejan Stan, uh, asking us our thoughts on Caicedo and Captoom. Uh, so, uh, and I, I don't know, if, Chris, if you disagree with this one too much. I thought Captoom kind of gave us more of the same, not flashy, kind of there. I didn't, you know, he is what it is. I can pull up some specific numbers, but I don't think we learned a whole lot about Captoom today. I think he's kind of proven himself to be a depth central midfielder. Um, so I don't, I don't have a ton on him. Caicedo looked pretty decent. Um, as I said at the top of this, I, I kind of want to go back and take a second look to see if he kind of had some trouble with uh, when Moffle would overlap with him, um, you know, his, his ability to kind of get back and, and fill in those spaces, because that's what he did really, really well prior to his injury. Uh, but the fact that it went 90 minutes is extremely, extremely encouraging. Uh, Bruce noted he went 90 minutes last week, and the plan was not to have him go a full 90 minutes. This game, they want him to go 45 to 60. He went ended up going a full 90. Uh, so 90 minutes in back-to-back weeks is, is really important. Um, decent game. Stats-wise, I don't think there's anything I need to point out. 70% pass accuracy, most of that. Actually, in the opposition half, 16 of his 21 passes were in the opposition half. Uh, one key pass, 49 touches, um, six for 14 on duels, six clearances, uh, three interceptions, three recoveries, one for three on aerials, three for three on tackles. So overall, I, you know, okay game from Luis Caicedo. Uh, certainly a lot further along than where I thought he would be. Uh, Chris, any, any thoughts on Luis Caicedo? Yeah, I thought Caicedo had a good game. I don't think that there was necessarily anything notable from his performance tonight. But the fact that this was his first game back in almost two years, uh, it was October 6th, uh, 2019 was the last time that he played uh, an MLS caliber match. Of course, he did play a match after Revs 2 one week ago, but this is his first time back with the first team. I guess you can't expect a whole lot. Um, I mean, I... We could talk about preseason, I guess, too. You know, he did play a little bit in preseason before he got injured again. Uh, I'm just happy to see 27 back out on the pitch. It's been a long time. And uh, I saw a little bit of flashes of what I remember seeing from Luis Caicedo. Uh, a little bit of that tenacity and like that real uh, imposing force. You know, despite his small frame, he's still such an imposing um, uh, central defender or midfield defender, I don't, whatever you want to classify him as. But uh it, it just the way that he he actually was looking like himself more than he wasn't was um you used the word encouraging earlier and i'm going to just reiterate that it was just very encouraging i think it was just an encouraging performance overall from luis casado yeah i i'm still not sure what his role is going to be because it does seem like a cluttered midfield but the fact that he is there and the fact that he is an option uh is very promising again i you know the the team looked a little bit lost uh, at times and i i 
So I can't give full positive marks. It seemed like that midfield at times just wasn't able to carry the ball out of their, their final third. Um, but yeah, decent performance, I'd say, from Luis Caicedo. I'm not going to give him positive marks, but I don't want to give him negative marks either. Uh, right. Like, you mentioned Captoom as well, and I wanted to quickly touch on Captoom. And I thought that he actually has a lot more to prove than a lot of other players on this roster, especially with the way that Bruce has talked about him recently. And the fact that he went out there, I thought he had a good game overall. Of Again, not necessarily an impactful game where you're saying, wow, Captoom did such a great job, but he was quietly okay. And I think that's what you would hope is the worst that you'd see out of a player. And the fact, the fact that we're seeing that out of him, um, maybe he's not necessarily getting involved in the attack tonight, but he did not make any mistakes. He did well passing, 93%, 28 out of 30. Uh, I'll take that um, out of my midfield. I would like to see him get a bit more touches. Um, he had 54 on the night, which is still a lot of touches. So a lot of the play did run through Captoom. Uh, but of course, once uh, Carly's heel got on, the 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 play went straight through Carlos and not through Captoom. But yeah, I want to quickly touch on him and just say I, th- I thought that he did have a good match since you brought him up. Yeah, 54 touches from Captoom. You mentioned the pass accuracy. He was also 7 for 10 on duels, uh, so 6 recoveries. So he actually did have a, a very solid game. Now that I'm looking at the stats, I think the stats are better than the eye test and, and watching it once through. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give Captoom a, a little bit of good marks. Again, just that, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to make an impact. So I don't know. Uh, Jay Katniss, also of the Bent Musket, has joined us. He wants to say something. Jake, you're already a speaker, although you need to unmute your mic. So, Jake, how are you doing tonight? Uh, anything you want to add? Uh, and and also, just to let you know, we do have a listener that is counting the number of times the word Connecticut is said. Uh, so let's try to keep that at a minimum from now on. Are we are we sure we don't want to mention the word Connecticut like an extra couple dozen times? I can certainly do that. We said Connecticut 27 times, and I want to keep it in the single digit. And right now we're at three. And you haven't even brought up the uh, <laughs> one, one seed Connecticut Sun uh, in the WNBA playoffs. So uh, you, you only have so many more times you can say Connecticut, Jake. Exactly. Well, here let's. I'll 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 be brief because I'm I'm actually getting ready for work and I'm disappointed that Sam runs on Monster and not Diet Mountain Dew and Popeyes, uh, which is the choice uh, at least that I'm about to make in about 30 minutes here. Um, I agree with the the overall thought on on Captoom. Uh, he's he's fine. Uh, the midfield lacked decisiveness throughout the night, and I, I don't know if that's a tactical problem, a personnel problem. Someone needs to step up and be the guy. And right now you've got four players, one of which Scotty Caldwell, you know, is not going to be the guy. He's not there to do that. Someone from the Captoom Caicedo Tristison triangle there needed to be the guy in the first hour. Tristison tries, delivered some good set pieces, but we've seen this time and time again when the Revs run out a flatter midfield particularly with Captoom and Massiel as, as partners. This time it was Caicedo and Mass and, uh, and Caicedo and Captoom, excuse me. Um, there's, there's no, there's not that energy. There's not that decisive. I'm the one going forward. I'm the guy who's going to make the passes. I'm the guy who's going to be running the offense and the facilitator up to the attacking group. And, and the Revs have struggled with that when they don't have a pollster or a heel or someone else on the field to really do that. When you have, Tejon dropping into that midfield spot. Tejon can do that. Uh, when Tristison's playing as the shuttler, Tristison can do that. So I don't know if it was a personnel problem or a tactical problem. It's just it's something that's been an issue for the Revs and they've struggled with during this heavy squad rotation. So I don't think statistically anyone was bad today, but when you look at the team as a whole, 
there wasn't a whole lot of good either. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% too. And Jake, I don't know uh, when you came in, but as I say, I think they really missed Matt Polster and Andrew Farrell tonight, uh, especially Matt Polster too. I think Scott Caldwell might, was supposed to be the veteran presence uh, kind of connecting that, that back line and kind of anchoring that midfield diamond with Polster out. And that yellow card, I think, was the adjustment that Bruce Arena had to make. He, he originally said that quite Casado was coming out 45 to 60 minutes um, and, and they had to make some subs. That's the way he put it. They had to make some subs, which could allude to the fact that it was 1-1 one, one at halftime. It also could allude to the fact that Scott Caldwell had a yellow card. So I, I, I bet that their plans, you know, there's a wrench thrown into their plans there a little bit. And um, yeah, that, that midfield, it might be that we have some people coming back. It might be that we have some people not getting enough minutes. Uh, but that combination of players uh, was not a winner in my book. No, and I also think the other thing we're going to underrate is giving up a goal five minutes prior to halftime and also a very soft goal by by Revolution standards. I still haven't seen a good replay of that. I don't know if that ball comes off of A.J. De La Garza or if Matt Turner gets wrong-footed by it, but it seemed very odd that that was the type of chance uh, we, we gave up for that equalizer. I think that also played into the hands of the halftime subs. I think if it was 1-0 going into halftime, maybe you can hold off on Scott Caldwell immediately getting yanked at halftime. Maybe you can wait the extra 15 minutes, and then maybe it is Polster coming into the game and not Carlos Seal, because now you're winning. You can actually defend the lead instead of, no, 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 we have to go out and win the game. And then we had to do it twice. So, again, overall, not the worst performance of the year, but it's certainly in in the bottom. Um, It's certainly not as good as, I think, the first game in Chicago when we tied that game. Um, but it's certainly not as bad as maybe the road trips to Dallas or Nashville. But it's, you know, wasn't great. Take the three points, get back home, beat Orlando a couple of times here down the stretch, and um, take, you know, take the three points and get the hell out of Chicago. I, yeah, I think pretty that's much. What Bruce said after the game, he says, "We'll take three points and get the hell out of here." So, uh, you know, I, and you know what? Anytime you win three points in the road, I think you got to be happy. And looking at this expected goal difference here, uh, let me pull it up again. Chicago oh, it's three brutal. point. 3.26, the Revs yeah. have 1.55. You can really make the argument that the Revs should have maybe come away with a point, uh, but you'd rather come away with three and earn one as opposed to Saturday when you come away with one and you earned three. So uh, we did get a question here, too, while we're talking about uh, kind of the issues in that midfield. Mike Kennedy asked us on Twitter um, on the Chicago's second goal, whose responsibility was it at the top of the box? Jake, I, I, I've only seen the replay one time, and to be honest with you, it's such a mess. I kind of have to break it down a little bit further. But I got to think that there's a defensive midfielder, whether it's Captoom or Caicedo. Someone's got to be there, right? I think Caicedo was pulled out left. I believe Mofla was up a little bit. I don't know. It, it, it was right after the restart, so I don't know why Mofla was up there. So maybe it's, it's Mofla for starting off this chain of events. But Caicedo gets drawn out to kind of the left wing. So either, I mean, I, I, I mean, Captoom or someone's got to be back there, right? I, I got to think that a midfielder's got to fill in that space when when defensive line is kind of shifting over, right? Yeah, you know what? I, I there was a handful of us trying to figure that one out on on the second goal. I don't think we've ever actually solved the answer. I just think it's a complete shut off after the restart uh, from the kickoff on on the Revs' go ahead goal, uh, and they're just they're just asleep. I think that's just a team. A team-wide just failure. I don't want to blame anyone in particular because I think there's a lot of blame to go around there. Um, There was more than one free runner uh, in that box and then also more than one free trailer at the top of the box on that on that play so there's a lot of bad on that and i don't know if that's something that you know more the the regular back line fixes or matt polster himself fixes um but yeah it's just a couple of very just odd goals to give up like chicago deserved two goals on the night i don't think they necessarily deserved 
those two particular goals. And nor do I think uh, Matt Turner or the Revs should be happy about the way that those were um, allowed. But, you know, like it wasn't a, a bad night defensively. There were a lot of good things. Kessler off the line, clearing the ball. Matt Turner came up with some saves late after, again, not, not I don't think his best game on the year, but another player who probably deserves at least a game off at some point here down the stretch because he's played every game this year. He's been available mm. for the Revs or the USA. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting dynamic i think i think if they had tied this game and beaten columbus i i have a better feeling this one feels different because i don't think we i don't think we earned this one we stole this one and i'm kind of okay with that because it's chicago but a lot of things to work on but again with heavy squad rotation the stuff that you're working on is i think just overall team cohesion you're expecting a lot from guys who aren't supposed to be starting and you had nine guys in the field who i would classify weren't regular starters this year but three or four of them kind of are. Captoon definitely has been a regular starter. Um, Teal Bunbury, I don't think, isn't a regular starter. He just doesn't have the minutes this year. Right. I don't know. Just a lot a lot of weirdness today, a lot of weirdness in the last week. Um, but I think if well, the results if the results were flipped and we'd beaten Columbus and tied this game, I don't know if I'd be more upset otherwise because the performance today felt maybe we could have dropped tonight. It was would have been fine. But um, I think you had to go out and beat a Chicago team that, quite frankly, is just not good and and while they played well and they deserve at least i think a share of the points they you know also a lot of mistakes in the back the revs did not take advantage of right away right and and i want to point out too that uh any revs uk mike who i believe is in on this uh yep he, he's here uh, he actually just retweeted himself and tagged us in this uh photo so go to his twitter account he's got a still shot of uh that play in the 63rd minute there where it looks like you have one two three four revolution players kind of combining around a guy with the ball. And then there's three wide open Chicago players. That ball could have gone to any of them and it probably would have ended badly for the revolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just a mess all over the place. Yeah, I Uh, I I could speak to that play too, because I was just recently at my son's uh, kindergarten level uh, soccer match. And when the ball goes into one location, all the players seem to converge right around that ball. And I think that that play is what the revolution tried to execute and uh, they failed, you know? Yeah. Not not good when we're comparing this to youth soccer. No, no. I do want to bring in uh, someone who called that this was going to be a weird three to two uh, MLS weird midweek game. Uh, Matt Zitka, uh, president of the Midnight Riders, is joining us today. Thank you for joining us, Matt. No, Nostradamus himself, uh, completely calling <laughs> this one down to a T. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts here? Well, well, well. Who could have predicted such a scoreline? My goodness. What a wild game. Um, we, we did not get the two Seal Bunbury goals, though. I don't know if that was specifically your prediction or not. I thought we were going to get it at the end, but we, we That was know. not my prediction, but I would have loved that also. Um, two for Teal always. But um, my, my main takeaway is that... Um, you know, it's it's time for it's time for Brian Bolello and Jonathan Kraft to start looking into uh, local sculptors because um, I'm ready I'm ready to build the the Carlos Hill statue tomorrow. Like, let's just let's just start working on it. Um, he's that he's that good. I've de- like there's just never been a player like this on the Revs ever. And yeah, I'm ready to build a statue now. My my phone cut up there for a second, but I assume you want to build a statue for Carlos Hill. Is that what's happening? That is that is absolutely correct. I'm I'm for it. I think when you. (laughs) 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 Yes. All right. right. Muting everyone. Muting everyone. Mute everyone. All right. Mute everyone. Uh, 
yeah, build the statue. I'm all for building the statue. When the revs break ground on that stadium, that that random Twitter account's friend who knows Jonathan Kraft confirmed it. There's going to be a, an Everett Stadium built. Uh, we all know that's happening. Uh, you have to have Carlos Hill statue right outside of it. Just name it Carlos Hill Stadium. I, I, I think that's a, a completely reasonable thing to do. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's funny, too, because we actually had an episode. Uh, boy, it was during the pandemic, so it's about a year and a half old. Uh, and Jake was on that episode. It was me, uh, Sean Donahue, Brian O'Connell, Jake Katniss, we talked about the best uh, revolution roster. We had the best 23-man revolution roster, and we we debated whether or not Carlos Hill, who with only one season under his belt, uh, deserves to be on that team. And here we are 18 minutes, 18 months later, and I, I don't think there's any argument that you can't have him on this team, uh, on that, that the all-time great revolution team. Um, yeah, I mean, boy, what, what an absolutely – uh, incredible uh, player this guy is. I, I think you can really make the argument that he is the skill-wise the best player the Revolution have ever had. I still think if you're talking about the greatest Revolution player ever, you still have to give a little bit to longevity uh, and records and whatnot. So I think that Shalry Joseph uh, and Taylor Twelman certainly are, are I'd still put him above Carlos Hill. But just in terms of talent, uh, man, this guy took three points tonight. This game completely changed the second he came in. So I'm with you on that one, Matt. Uh, build the statue. Yeah, just it was just a complete um, immediate change in just the style of play of the game. The second he came on, just I don't know, the, he just um, single handedly changes the shape once he's on there. He just kept finding that pocket sort of on the right side of the 18 yard box over and over and over and looked terrifying every single time. It's just, yeah, he's really something else. And then finally got the deserved goal the very end for him. Um, and what's, what's crazy, too, is I think everyone's just – he's such a good passer. I think people are, are waiting to see where he's going to pass the ball to that when he does shoot, it actually kind of catches the, the keeper off guard a little bit. The keeper got a hand to that one. Right. Um, but but it, it, I think he was ready, ready to dive across the, the box and, and try to knock a ball uh, away from getting to Teal Bunbury. It, uh, um, it reminded me a lot of the goal um, Landon Donovan scored against Slovenia in the 2010 World Cup where it was just like, you know, first of all, just a leader just deciding to make it happen by himself when the, when the team couldn't get it done on the day. And, and it's just the same kind of goal as, like, everyone everyone thinks he's going to cross, waiting for the cross, and just roofs it near a post in that same spot. Uh, so having flashbacks to that moment. But, yeah, just a real, a real winner's goal, a real leader's goal. And instead of Slovenia, yeah, it was it. against Slanina. So, you know, Gabby Slanina, I, I want to give a shout out to there him as go. well, too, because that 17-year-old keeper uh, really played a, uh, a overall a very good game, I thought, a very well-poised game for a 17-year-old. So, I'll also say when you want to win MVP or a big individual award, you need a big moment, and that is a big moment. Uh, I, I, you yes. know, I, I don't think stat-wise Carlos Hill's credentials are any much different than they were two hours ago. Uh, but that is a big time moment, as Matt said, and that is putting the team on your back and going out and winning the game. So yeah, no, great, great job by Carlos Hill to take two points for the revolution tonight. Uh, I did get a question on Twitter from Michelle who is saying she can't request to speak because Twitter on computer is not great. That is true. I think you have to be on your phone to request uh, Michelle. So if you switch to the phone, you can join us, but if not, we can reply here. Uh, but she says on this topic, do you think the revs tendency to shut down and go to sleep after a goal is going to bite us in the playoffs? That's a very great question. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? I, I think maybe it's a little different with some veteran leadership out there, uh, but I want your take on this. If you're, concerned about the revs 
going to sleep and, and falling asleep in the middle of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes and no. Like like you're saying, I think it's a bit of different personnel, right? The the everyday starters are not necessarily out there. Specifically, uh, was it the second goal was scored about a minute after? Um, and so the only real starters that we had out there, I guess, were Henry Kessler, Matt Turner, Carlos Heel, and Gustavo Bo, um, which, of course, those players you don't expect to, to be uh, turning it off at any point in the match. But uh, there was a lot of inexperience story. Uh, I don't want to use inexperience. I think that's a, that's a bad word to use it right now. But players that have a few minutes overall this year, and I think that really played a part in it. They, they really seem to just take a deep sigh of relief once once the revs went up 2-1 but there's still a lot of time left in the match and so of course you know it it does make me worry you know there was what 62nd minute Teal Bunbury scored 64th minute uh Gaston Jimenez scored uh to level it for Chicago and that absolutely concerns me to know that there are players on the roster that maybe have that mentality of to take a breather when MLS is kind of relentless. You can't really stop. You got to keep going for a full 90. Uh, And this is a perfect example of why that is. So I know Bruce is going to address that. I'm sure that he's already uh, made it known to several of the players. It's just a matter of how much that's going to stick. And what's going to happen going forward if if, uh, the Reds are in another situation like this. So it's something that concerns me, but it's not high on on my list of concerns right now. Yeah, and I, I don't usually like to say like, oh, they just kind of stopped paying attention or weren't focused. But that that goal right after you score that second goal, that's when you have to lock it down and play firm and not make mistakes. And then to come out and play and, and concede that second goal the way they did, uh, I, I I think you could pull anyone in the Revolution locker room and they will all say the exact same thing that that is inexcusable and you know probably not the best effort uh, on that play there. I, I think they just got caught up in the moment and kind of probably just assume that that second goal was going to be the game winner and uh they were they were level a, a moment later so um not not great uh yeah just just not great I, I hate to say that it's you know going to cost them or that that's a big concern but um you know you, you want to have those mistakes midweek games against chicago then two yeah. months from now in the playoffs like i can say Absolutely. that and as i say I, I bet bruce is going to as you say be showing that one a lot and, and making sure it doesn't happen again yeah i'm sure many uh, lessons were learned uh tonight so Real quick, Mike Kennedy uh, also said Henry Kessler is his man of the match. Uh, yes or no, Chris, do you agree with that assessment that Kessler deserves man of the match tonight? Yeah, I'll give it to Kessler. You know, he uh, he put in a full 90, a solid effort. Uh, he scored the, the opening goal in the uh, 11th minute, uh, and he saved a goal. I don't know what minute that was in, uh, but it was, it was just an impressive performance overall for him. I thought he was really solid at the back, um, and he really showed why – he is going to be the future of this revolution team. Henry Kessler, man of the match. I'm hundred percent on board with that. I understand why everyone might want to say Carly Seal. He got that, the game winning goal. He, the game really changed once he came in, but um, I thought Henry Kessler, I don't think you could blame either of the goals on Henry Kessler or many, if any of the chances that uh, Chicago really had tonight on Henry Kessler. So uh, he would be my man of the match as far as uh, individual performance goes that even though the scoreline would uh, maybe tell you to look otherwise. Yeah, I think you can make a very good argument for Carlos Heel. Uh, and, and Matt Turner had some solid saves, although I think the first goal uh, was not the He'd best. He'd want that uh, back, yeah. That. Yeah, that was not the best. So I, I think we can exclude him from that. But Henry Kessler uh, playing the role of janitor tonight, cleaning up the mess. Yes. A lot of mess in the back, and it seemed like he was the one that uh, was there for a clear uh, or some emergency defending. A goal and a save from Henry Kessler tonight, so I'm fine with him being the man of the match. Yeah. Uh, and also – 
you know what else is pretty solid? Glasso Kits. Uh, our sponsor, Glasso Kits. I want to take a quick minute and talk about them. Their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does selection with every corner of the planet represented. Check out Galasso Kits for their full selection. Make sure you follow them at Galasso Kits on Twitter and their Galasso Kits Instagram for updates on their new inventory. Uh, there are currently six Revs items in their inventory, so check it out after we're done here tonight. A ton of United States men's national team gear, a lot of women, uh, United States women's national team gear as well. Uh, and in the event you don't find something you love or you're unsure, you can't find any right size, uh, you know you can go out, check out their surprise packages where you put in your size and you'll be given a random kit. Chris, you got a random kit. You got a pretty sick Malaysian national team kit, which you love. Uh, I, I saw it. That's pretty fire. Yeah, that, that it's a really awesome kit. It's something I probably would not never have bought if uh, if I was just browsing jerseys on my own. But then getting it in person and actually seeing it, and, and the fact that it was, uh, I think it was twenty five dollars, and uh, it was such a such great value for for what i what i paid for it so i I couldn't be happier with uh with that jersey and i have worn it about four times now since i got it a couple weeks ago so yeah really loving it malaysia going to the world cup and chris is going to be there he's getting in on the ground level with his i'm a new malaysian fan and it was such a great value too because Chris, you used promo code REVSRECAP, and you saved 15% off of your order. Uh, promo Again, promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKit.com. Go check it out. You'll find something you like, and you'll get 15% off your order. Uh, when this comes out as a podcast, there will be links and the code in the show notes. All right. Back to the task at hand here, Chris. I didn't line up another question, so I got to look on Twitter real quick. That's fine. Eric says I, I wanted to add real quick since uh, while you go look for another question, I know we were talking about like players on the match. And, you know, there's one person that I think that really has not been talked about much so far, and that's Teal Bunbury. He scored a goal. He was relentless uh, all match uh, until was I think he was withdrawn later in the match, right? Uh, no, he wasn't. So uh, I'm mistaken there. But so he played a full 90 and he was relentless uh, and showing, you know, we had a discussion last week. We had some questions coming in saying, should uh, should Teal not be a starter anymore? And I was kind of really surprised by that. Like, what, where are these thoughts coming from? Why does anyone say, or not even a starter, but saying, does this show that Teal shouldn't have any more minutes? And I was... I was defending Teal, saying I think that's kind of ridiculous, and I'm glad that tonight uh, he kind of he kind of backed up my uh, my support of him, and I thought he had a very solid match. That goal, um, there was a, a fantastic play down the middle from you know Turner to Bo to Teal. Great touch, first touch by Teal, slotting it home past the 17 year old goalkeeper. Uh, I thought that was such a, such a good play, and I think Teal Bunber was such a such a good positive piece um around this team this you know essentially b team when there's a lot of uh negative areas to really look at as well so i think that he was one one real uh, bright spot that i wanted to touch on the other thing that teal bunbury does really really well is he is very good at pressing yes he, oh so good. 90 minutes he gave you 90 minutes of hustle there was one play that was almost very ugly from Chicago. I don't know what minute it was, but there was a back pass. It was a little slow getting out. The goalkeeper tries to boot it long. Till runs back and blocks it. It goes out for a free throw, but if he blocks it and ends up, you know, at the feet of a revolution player, or if he kind of knocks it back towards goal and, and tip it in, um, you know, that's a goal. 
Uh, there was another play where in the 43rd minute, there's a long ball down the left side. Teal is in a foot race. He runs around the guy he's in a foot race with. And then I believe it was Navarro uh, on the fire, uh, comes over, slide tackle, knocks it out for a, 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 a throw in. But if Teal is able to knock that by him uh, and get down the wing, mm-hmm. you know he's got a man over in the center. That is a very huge scoring chance. Um, I know a lot of people were upset at him for missing that chance late in the Saturday game. If you watch that chance, Teal kind of keeps that ball alive twice. He tips it on, on the, the baseline, gets it back into the center of the pitch. It leads to three or four actions, and, and the ball ends up at his feet, and he, he misses the shot. But that entire play doesn't happen if Teal Bunbury is not sprinting down the sideline and tapping it in. So Teal, you know, he's been on this team a long time. He's They've made upgrades, and he's kind of worked his way. He still has a role in this team. He's coming off of the bench, but he's still very valuable to this team. And, and nights like tonight show you why. He's doing the little things. He's pressing. Uh, and, and that goal he scored, that is a professional finish where it's just calm, cool, collected. It's not a powerful shot, but it's perfectly placed right past the keeper. There's nothing he can do about it. So yeah. really good run by Teal. Really good performance all the way around when he doesn't have the best players surrounding him. And then that that play that we're talking about from Saturday night, I I mentioned it on the the last episode of the podcast as well. You know, if you don't have Teal in the match, whoever's going to be replacing him, if it's Gustavo Bo or someone else, they're not going to even be in that position to even have that attempt on on goal right there. So Teal does so much, and he says so much more than what uh, a lot of people necessarily see because a lot of people seem to hang on his negatives. When he has a bad moment, it's usually pretty glaring, but. I think all the good he does makes up for it and, and way more. Um, so I just want to want to make sure we give a, give a lot of credit to Teal Bunbury because I feel like a lot of times he doesn't get the credit he deserves and uh, he receives a lot of shade when uh, when I feel like it's not necessarily warranted. I think he's a very divisive player because people remember his misses, but they don't. People don't remember the little things. And, and Teal Bunbury is a guy you, you want on your team, whether or not it's starting, hundred uh, percent, or, or on the bench. He's certainly a key contributor. And, and you could always use more strikers. There's you can always use more forwards. You can always use more strikers. Uh, and I'd much rather see Teal Bunbury coming off the bench than, than Edward Kizza. hundred percent. Uh, I'm going to run through some questions and comments here. I think we've covered some of these before. Uh, it's a little less organized since it's over Twitter spaces tonight. But Eric says, how do we feel about the B team's performance? It wasn't pretty, but it turned out to be just enough uh, to survive an away match against a struggling team. Also, I'm increasingly tired of waiting for Captoom to get on the rest of the team's level. We kind of already talked about the, the B team's performance a little bit. And, and Chris, you kind of convinced me that Captoom probably played a little bit better than I thought he did. I, I think uh, I was with Eric at the beginning of this podcast that Captoom, I think, had a uh, fairly man performance that you know I, I, I'm kind of tired of watching him, but um, I, I agree with everything he said. There it turned out to be just enough. Mm-hmm. They held off long enough for until the, the stars came in and the stars won the game. So overall, if I'm grading this B team as a unit, very disjointed at times. Didn't love it. Didn't you know? I, I don't want to see it long term. But to say they did just enough uh, until Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo and Bai and, and Dewan came in and saved the day, uh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Chris, any, anything you want to add real quick? No, I wish Sean was uh, was on with us right now because I know he was the first one to label uh, a cap team as a bust. I jumped on the bandwagon with him, and I was 100% agreeing with him at that point. But tonight's performance maybe has given me a little bit of hope to say uh, there might actually be something to cap team. Uh, and the fact that there's so many other players on this roster performing, I think also while it puts pressure on Captoon to perform to maybe have a spot on the team, I think it also allows him a little bit of freedom to 
really learn the system and learn MLS as a whole and gradually get better without being forced into it and, uh, and, and making more mistakes than he, he could be. So um, I think the, the cap tomb thing, I think that's, that might come with time. Um, my, my tone is starting to change a little bit towards the positive. Uh, you know, I just have recent memory bias, of course, uh, after tonight's match. And it wasn't a fantastic or amazing match, but it was it was solid and it was it was good enough by what I would expect from uh, a player in that position. Uh, Eric also says here, uh, Chicago's Navarro appeared to mock Tejan for going down easy after he was called for fouling Buchanan in the seventy fifth. This made Tejan's last run all the more satisf- satisfying as he fended off two fire players, including Navarro, before making off the, the, the pass off to heel. Fun to watch. So I did not catch that. I'll have to go back and, and see that again. But Tejan Buchanan getting the last laugh uh, in Chicago. Potentially, mm-hmm. probably his last game ever in Chicago. Uh, he walks off with the uh, the final laugh there. Um, William Richter says, winning ugly is better than losing pretty. I've got, <laughs> I got quite enough of the latter from Arsenal the last decade. Uh, absolutely. Uh, sorry, uh, apologies to any Arsenal fans in the chat. That is absolutely rough. Oh, any Res UK, Mike is going to hop in here. Now, Mike is not an Arsenal fan. He is a Leeds fan. Uh, I don't know who's on top of who in the table right now. I'm, I'm, Arsenal is doing pretty bad. But, Mike, how are you doing tonight? Can, uh, oh, boy, it's late where you are. My goodness. Do you have work in the morning, Mike? What's going on here? It's, it's early. It's not late. It's, it's, it's four in the morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, 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 Mike, give us your takeaway. What, what what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Um, yeah, didn't didn't deserve the three points, but as we've all reiterated, obviously we'll happily take them. Um, obviously, a lot of talk of us missing Matt Polster, which I completely agree with. I think he's literally like a, a metronome for us in the middle of the park, and I think it was pretty obvious without him and the team, it's it's not we don't quite tick as as well as we normally do. Um, but I just wanted to get everyone's thoughts or um, people's thoughts on um, as potentially obviously missing Tommy McNamara in that starting eleven as well. I think he, if he was in this game, maybe we wouldn't have had to bring on as many changes as we did. And obviously, we, no one's mentioning the goat on the wing as well in the Goateng as well. So I think maybe if them two were in that starting eleven, head of maybe Captain and um, Arnor, it might have been a different uh, a different result going into halftime. Uh, I, I love this take, and I, I'm so glad you brought up Tommy Mack. He was on my notes of uh, of players I wanted to possibly talk about. And the fact that we're sitting here, we just clinched a, a berth in the playoffs, and we're talking about, I think, Tommy McNamara might have been a better option to start this match over the players that did. Uh, it's just such a wild position to be in, because when, when Tommy McNamara came to the Revolution in the offseason, it was a 100% more depth piece Maybe he's going to get a few minutes here, maybe a few minutes there. I don't think anyone really expected him to be the impact player that he's been. And uh, Mike, I 100% agree with you. I think that Tommy Mack would have been a uh, a better spot on the on the lineup. Uh, I don't know who necessarily you want to take out between Casado or Katum, or uh, you, you wouldn't take out Caldwell, I guess, for him. Um, but maybe instead of Tristison, maybe you wouldn't have that first goal because uh, Tristison did have pretty good service on that free kick there, but. Uh, maybe you'd have a different goal creator or something like that. Tommy Mack brings such a big energy to this team. And I think that's uh, another understated piece to this whole 2021 
uh, revolution team uh, as a whole. And then the Boateng uh, shout, I thought was a, was a great shout. Uh, I don't know where he would have fit necessarily on the starting 11 uh, as a sub. When you're looking to get a goal, I think that's a, a good a good sub to make, especially when you're looking to maybe rest some players for the the game on Saturday versus Orlando. Uh, but it didn't bother me as much to not see Boateng in here. But the uh, the McNamara piece, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know, Greg, if you have any other opinions, but uh, the McNamara one was uh, it really hitting home for me. No, you know, if you want to be an MLS Cup champion, you need a good bench. You need more than 11 players. And uh, I think Tommy McNamara fits that uh, group really well. You know, I I still don't know who you pair exactly with Polster. It might be Tommy McNamara, but if not, McNamara is a very, very good piece off the bench. And yeah, I think they were missing him a little bit tonight. I think we could have used a little more stability in the midfield. I personally would have played him over, I'll say, Captoom. I think you wanted to get Caicedo some minutes tonight and see how he fit in against MLS competition. I think tonight was really just about seeing how this depth played and and kind of what needed to be worked on. Uh, And I think Caicedo's fitness is a really, really big point. So I I think he would have played over Captoom. Uh, but regardless, uh, it would have been an upgrade for either position. Uh, Gotang, um, yeah, he's he's a loss, huh? They're really missing that kind of spark at the end of the bench there. Um, I'm not sure where he would have fit in tonight. Um, I think he's going to be a late game kind of speedy winger that we're going to see. So I don't know how Bruce would have incorporated him in tonight. I think you'd rather see Christian Moffel out there and get him a good look. Uh, as opposed to Bo- Boateng, who, you know, we, we kind of know it's coming. But uh, overall, I think Mike is absolutely right that not only are you missing your starters, but you're also missing two key pieces, uh, two key de- depth pieces that uh, would have helped out a lot tonight. Matt, I, would, Matt, I see Matt un- unmuted yeah. himself. Matt, no, this. what do you think? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think McNamara is, it like, does belong in the in the starter grouping at this point. I think he's kind of fully won that sort of left-sided shuttler position over Maciel, Captoom, Caicedo, etc. Um, I think he's just been in really good form last couple of months. Obviously, you have to rotate him eventually, but he's just kind of he, – he really just complements um, Polster. And especially when you're using Buchanan as the right-sided shuttler to stay him on the field, that's like not really Tejan's – natural position so um mcnamara's sort of work work rate allows like the diamond to get sort of asymmetrical and tejan further up the field where you want tejan so i think yeah mcnamara is um a hugely important piece of the team heading towards the playoffs i think mike makes a really good point that um his (laughs) his absence is notable um in a game like this where the midfield was pretty disjointed um for most of the game yeah, the good example of how disjointed they are, if you're looking at the passing accuracy too, the Revolution were 72% um, successful on their passes with a total of 208 passes successful, which is pretty abysmal for this team considering uh, just this past Saturday with essentially the first choice 11, they completed 486 passes on 89%. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the midfield. And a lot of that has to do with Tommy McNamara, in my opinion, uh, as to how this team's going to go and, and, and how they're going to they're gonna proceed when it comes to the playoff time. I think a player uh, that can make passes and, and see the plays develop uh, is really essential. And uh, obviously, Carly's heel is a huge part in that as well. Um, so, I, yeah, Tommy Mack, I think, while I think he was missed tonight, I don't necessarily think maybe he wasn't needed. Obviously, they got the win without him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to leave it there on Tommy Mack, I think. Uh, I think we got some other things to talk about. But, uh, yeah, Greg? Well, I was just going to say, 
I, I bet too, if you look at the passing chart, you bring up the number of passes. I bet if you look up the passing chart, there was a lot of route one long ball passing. Um, there, there was no Mac Jones, dink and dunk, uh, move the ball side <laughs> to side. There was a lot of booting the ball deep, clearing the ball, uh, and they, they're kind of missing that piece in the middle. Um, Luis Caicedo, even when he was healthy, I mean, he, you know, he, he wasn't very involved in the attack, really. Uh, he, had, he had pretty good you know, pass completion percentages, but he was really more conservative with the ball. Scott Caldwell you know, is also kind of a guy that is going to make the safe passes side to side. Captoom, 93% tonight, but again, not really a, an impact player who's going to carry it out. He's probably going to push it off the side and you know, want De La Garza or Bai to push it up. So, yeah, I, I think McNamara would have made a big – very big difference uh, in terms of uh, getting the ball up and into Teal Bunbury or Edward Kizza's or Arno Tristison's feet tonight. And um, they're, they're kind of missing that link that McNamara would have filled. So um, also I want to address this because I've gotten two tweets about it, about my soccer specific stadium joke. That is basically for those of you that are not on Twitter that may, might not have missed it. There was an anonymous account. I, I want to get ahead of this before people listen to who aren't on Twitter, listen to this and, and ask me about it. Uh, but there was an anonymous account that basically said, um, my friend is very close to the crafts and he confirmed that there's a soccer specific stadium. And it was a very fake screenshot of a text that said that they were building in, I think it was Everett next year. And um, I retweeted it and I made fun of it. Uh, and the guy deleted his account because it was very obviously a fake. So no news on the soccer specific stadium front. Uh, I think that that kind of- Unless you want to talk about there. Taylor Twelman, but you know. Uh, let's 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 not. We'll let that one I rest. Learned, <laughs> I think what I've learned is let's not feed the trolls. And, and as much as I love Taylor Twelve, and I'm going to include him yes. uh, in that category tonight. <laughs> um, we did get a question here on. Let's go through Discord questions. Irvin the Punk says, "With what we saw on the field, do you think Bruce will try to play his B team again for the Saturday?" Uh, I can't imagine they do. I think the A team is pretty well rested. Um, I don't even know. I, I, I bet we revert back to a lineup from Saturday uh, just because it's Orlando. I think Bruce wants to see how this team measures up to a more competitive team. I believe it's on the road as well. Uh, so that is going to be a very, very tough game, a rematch of the playoffs last year. Um, Chris, any thoughts uh, on that or do you expect to see the A team on Saturday? Yeah, 100% uh, expect to see the A-team. Uh, that's actually, it's not a road game, just to be clear. It's uh, in, in Gillette, uh, 7 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, Eastern time. And uh, yeah, I expect a full team. Look, uh, Bruce took this game as more of a throwaway game, I think, when he when he's looking at the lineup, say we need to really rest players. When you're looking at the upcoming matches, you have Chicago and you have Orlando. Orlando is obviously a much better team this season than Chicago. You're going to rest players against the weaker team that comes up in the middle of the week. Uh, it makes a, makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about the, the, the gameplay that Bruce rolled out against Columbus when he didn't make any subs until I think the 82nd minute uh, where it was essentially the first 11 playing um, against Orlando. It's I expect to see this, you know, essentially the same roster as uh, what we saw in Columbus, maybe one or two changes here and there. Something small, but overall, it's going to be the uh, the strongest 11 that Bruce can put out. Uh, we did get a question here on Discord from TSP11 tonight. Uh, was one where the refs look extremely disorganized in their own half. What were the strongest contributing factors for this? I believe we've covered this a little bit. Um, I think missing Polster and, and Farrell were big factors. Uh, a Tommy McNamara not being able to pass out of the back and carry the ball out of mm. your, your uh, third is a big issue too. Uh, and then kind of some discoordination there from it seemed like uh, Mafla and Caicedo, which again, I believe is what happened there. You have to go back and rewatch it, but it seemed like uh, there were some spaces in behind Mafla where uh, he, he just wasn't there or uh, was getting beat there. There seemed to be some through balls getting through there. So 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think we expect to see it from the A team. Uh, we did get a question here. Two straight weeks of this team from Terminator on Discord. Two straight weeks of the team looking bad slash coasting. Is this a con- cause for concern going forward or just a phase they are going through towards glory? Uh, Chris, I'll go to you. And Matt, jump in uh, after Chris if you have any thoughts on this. But Chris, any concerns about the revolution tying Columbus uh, and then having this kind of rough win uh, in Chicago? No, no, not really. Look, the, the match against Columbus, the revolution outplayed the crew hands down uh i think the shots were i have the matchup right here it was 33 total shots the issue was putting the shots on frame i think there was only seven shots on frame against columbus uh they all played the expected goals versus columbus was almost three 27 chances created again almost 500 total accurate passes uh they played a very good game uh and really controlled the entire match over 60 percent possession um and that's what you expect the the first team to do the the, the first choice eleven, and tonight it, obviously you're not rolling with that in Chicago. While we're giving them a bit of flack, saying you know they're not a very good team, they still are a team full of MLS level uh, professionals, and they have some very good players on their team, uh, some very solid um, finishers as well. When you're talking um, uh, Madron and you're talking uh, Barrich. Uh, Navarro, um, it, it's it's a really good team to be rolling out a roster with nine changes and essentially putting out your B team. So overall, no, there's not a lot of concern. I don't think there's a lot of coasting. Even the B team, I thought, showed a lot of heart and a lot of effort. Uh, the only times that they conceded goals was when they seemed to shut off for a couple minutes. And other than that, it, it really wasn't a lot of coasting. Um, Chicago did play a good game, credit to them. At home, uh, a, a struggling team really, really uh, fighting to get three points that they really needed. Um, so I, I'm not concerned. I don't think they're coasting. I kind of disagree with that comment a bit. I, I think the the better way to put it, and, and someone, I, I forget who put it earlier, but um, maybe, maybe turning off at certain moments, uh, letting the moment uh, get a little bit ahead. Uh, so I, I, I think it might be just being inconsistent, not playing a full 90. But I believe any Revs UK uh, has another comment here. Mike, I, I think you can unmute yourself. You should be able to talk. Mike, what are your thoughts here? Uh, it was, wasn't really on the subject you were just talking about, but I kind of want to just get people's opinions on what is next for Kizza because obviously he's had a few games now starting. And I, I've, in my opinion, I've not really seen anything that – like we've not seen from like Renix before or he's not offered us anything more than what we've seen from Renix for his time with the first team. Well, yeah. And I think I talked about this the last time I was on the podcast. I really haven't seen anything that I love about him. Now, when you are, uh, you know, poacher, you know, I think what we were kind of sold on, on Kizza when he was drafted was this is an in the box player. Um, this is a guy that he's able to get the shots on frame. So if you give him service, you know, he's going to put it on frame. He's going to score. That's kind of, I think, what the scouting report was on him when he was drafted. What we've kind of seen a lot of him is, is he's coming in when Bo and Boopsa need a rest. Him and Teal, you know, they kind of boot the ball up to him and Teal. And his skills just don't seem – he's very raw, in my opinion. Um, his ball skills need a little bit of work. Um, he just kind of seems to not be in the right spot at the right time where you need him to be. Um, his touch is a little poor. I, I think there was uh, the assist he made where he really should have controlled it and scored it, and his touch was so bad it kind of got away from him and he was able to tap it out uh, for an assist. So I think that's his one assist so far, and that, that might be his career highlight. So uh, I think right now the role he's playing is not – 
fitting to his skills, so to speak. You know, I'll, I'll pull up my line about uh, Caicedo too. Back when he was on the team, that you want him. The, the fewer touches he has, the better. Um, Kiza kind of might be just kind of like a poacher, you know, one timing type of player that um, you need to give him good service. And when he plays, it's not with the best lineup, and and you know he's not getting in those spots where you need him to be. So um, I, I think he's a project. I don't want to see him in the playoffs. Um, I'd almost when you need to rest players, I'd almost rather you put in another midfielder, have Teal be the lone striker, and put in a Tommy McNamara somewhere, or go to a four-two-three-one or something to that that effect. Could put in put in Botang. Uh, and, and so I, I want to see Kiza kind of down at revs to a little bit uh, and kind of develop a little bit more there. I'm not willing to write him off just yet, uh, but I, I certainly think he's a project. Um, Chris, any, any thought? I, I, but I agree with you, Mike. I, I have not been impressed with anything we've seen from Kiza so far, but I'm, I'm willing to give him some leash. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, you're talking about uh, letting him play with revs too, and I think that's not a bad solution. So far, he's played in seven different matches with revs too. Uh, he scored four goals, uh, which is a good sign for a striker to be putting in four goals and seven appearances. Uh, it's with the first team that he's really showing his struggles. And I think a lot of that is just, uh, I feel like the rest of the team doesn't necessarily have as much uh, confidence in him. And maybe he's not exuding the confidence himself either to say, Hey, I got this. Give me the ball. Let me take it. Uh, I, I don't think there's necessarily a whole lot of chances thrown his way, uh, which might play a factor in the fact that he's not necessarily getting a lot of uh, good stats and and his appearances that he's getting, he's not necessarily getting a lot of minutes either. So, you know, he has 11, uh, 11 appearances so far for the first team, but that's only 265 minutes. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, it's not much. I and mean, if you're looking at the USL league one, it, like I said, it's seven appearances, but he's got 569 minutes played. Um, so it's a, it's a much bigger difference there. Maybe once he starts putting some some uh, balls in the net, maybe he can see him get into some sort of streak streakiness, some sort of uh, patterns developing. But overall, it's currently just a project situation. And Greg, I'm with you. Uh, I don't want to see him necessarily in the playoffs at this time, uh, at this stage in his career. But I think he's a promising prospect. I think looking at his uh, college highlight reel, his stats lines that he was putting up, um, it was a, I think it was for Penn State or I think it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Pitt, yeah. yeah, it was for Pitt. And uh, he put up a lot of really good stats for Pitt. He was scoring a lot of goals. And uh, a lot of teams saw him as potentially the number one player coming out of the drafts. I think there was some behavioral issues or something like that that maybe yeah. let, allowed him to slide. But Yeah, well, I, I want to kind of – he left school early. There was no behavioral – it was rumors – he he left school early, but oh, he's, he's on good standing me. with the. He he was on good standing with the college. I think a lot of people speculated that something happened, which is why he left early. But uh, it, it was unrelated personal reasons and character issues are not uh, an issue with him, from my understanding. That's that's good to know. Yeah, you learn something new every day, and that's what I've learned today. Uh, it's I think I think Kizza might have a future. Uh, I'm not sure if it's MLS. Uh, uh, for him yet, but uh, at least USL, I think you know he can at least compete at that level currently. So, 
Yeah. And uh, by the way, Chris, uh, if you ever come visit me in Pennsylvania, you got to make sure, you know, uh, you, you don't get Penn State and Pitt confused. Uh, that's, that's not a very good thing. But uh, the, the one thing I will say that is concerning about Kizza is that he does hold an international roster spot. So I think, yes. you know, I'm, I'm fine with him being here for year two, uh, but you wonder if that might have uh, an effect in the offseason decisions. Uh, Matt, I, I see you're still on speaker. Do you have any thoughts on Kizza? I, I want to go to you too, since we're in a bit of a roundtable. But any thoughts yeah. on, on Kizza? Anything you like so far? I mean, yeah, we haven't really seen anything um, <laughs> from him with the first team that's productive or at least intentionally productive um but clearly they see something in him in training and with the second team or because uh like men like mike mentioned he is getting these minutes over Renix, who going into the season you would have thought would be that sort of fourth striker on the roster um so they, they clearly see a lot of potential in him and obviously um like chris said his goal scoring record for Pitt was some pretty outrageous um so he might be a late bloomer um i think he just needs to get used to the the, the pace of play in mls compared to college um but yeah i think it's too early to tell it's more of an i think yeah a, a next year kind of thing and they're just trying to you know get get a minute in these sort of situations when they're when there's lots of squad rotation and build them up um but yeah it is surprising that it's it's him rather than renix in that in that role on the roster and, and you know when I, I i know we saw a cameo from damian rivera earlier this season i'm a little surprised he hasn't been called up recently too for a game like this i'd like to see a little bit more of him i guess it doesn't really work out they kind of wanted two strikers uh but you're right it's you know with kiz's performances so far you kind of think maybe they we would see justin rennix get a cameo here or there but yeah. it seems like the, the arena um the arena tenure, uh, Renix kind of dropped down just a bit of an afterthought, unfortunately, which is a real shame considering uh, how highly he was touted by, uh, by some people, uh, like, right. me, uh, he, scored a, he scored a, a big goal in the U 20 world cup. Um, yeah. Two years ago, two years ago, right. he was scoring at the U 20 world cup and now he can't sniff MLS action. It's absolutely crazy. I will say he at that U 20 world cup too. He was playing alongside Indiana Vasilev, who's now doing fairly well over at uh, Inter Miami. So uh, to see that how Indiana has developed uh, and compare it to uh, how uh, Renix has n- not developed, I guess, you know, I-, I think that he just has a bit more maturing to do. And maybe we see something more out of Renix in the future, but uh, I wouldn't bet on it. Right. Either way, it's not an issue for this playoff run because once the playoff starts, you're, you're, it's going to be, you know, Bo, Buxa, and Bunbury as your, your three forward options that you actually use in, in those more high-pressure games. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's so much depth there, I can't imagine he sniffs, uh, sniffs the playoffs at all. Um, all right, let, let's get to some other ones. It's getting late. I know we have bedtime. Mike, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's slugging it out there over in the UK, so I want to get through some final questions here. Uh, not blue, not green. It's teal. Uh, asked us uh, what happened to Mafla in the second half dude just disappeared I would have to really go back and look at the second half because I didn't know I know he has a cross there in the second half I didn't notice him disappearing um, but I guess that might just be that I didn't notice him too too much Um, I I thought he played pretty decently I think we talked about him extensively at the beginning Uh, but I I didn't notice anything in the second half that maybe um, I'm trying to think if there was something that happened that uh, I, I guess the pl- the second goal the ball gets in behind him, uh, but I can't I can't think of anything so I, I I'll have right. to take a pass on that one. Sorry, 
uh, on that question. Um, Michelle says, did this game briefly reignite our rivalry with Chicago? Because I feel it did. Uh, well, Matt, you're, you're as the president of one of the supporters groups. Uh, I, you're, I guess you, you probably have a good pulse on who our rivals are. Uh, did this briefly reignite our rivalry with Chicago? And if it did, how great did it feel that we uh, just completely killed their hopes at the death there? <laughs> oh, I've never stopped hating Chicago, even when they're irrelevant. My my hatred for them burns deep. So um, it's never an issue for me um, to, to have it need to be reignited. Um, but yeah, it, it did add a little little extra a little extra joy. The fact that it was them um, and that we got to pull it away from them in the last the last moments there. Well, the last few meetings with Chicago, it's been some draws. So tonight, to, to get them away with a victory, it's been it's been really nice. And it really did feel like there was some sort of rivalry going on. I think somewhere between the 60th, uh, maybe after the 64th minute, once it was leveled, uh, up until the Revs pulled away in uh, an extra time there, and it, it was it was really exciting. And it kind of felt almost like a match from uh, five five or more years ago uh, between the Revs and Chicago, where it really was just an on-field battle and you could just feel the the tension between the two teams. Uh, it was such an exciting match from uh, just a spectator's uh, perspective. And to be a Revs fan and to see the Revs come out on top, it just makes it that much sweeter. Who, For sure. the, who, who aren't the Revs, you know, getting chippy with and getting physical with these days? Though? It feels like every team the West Coast. is a rival. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're not rivals with Vancouver yet. I'll give them that. But, um, no, the, the one thing I was actually thinking about it, well, well, first off, I think it means a lot to the Revs that they got this win after having that disappointing draw to start the season. I feel like that, you know, to come away out of Chicago with two points in two games uh, and a pair of 2-2 draws with a handful of defensive mistakes, I think that would have, you know, just looking back, it would look bad. I don't know if it would have had an impact going forward, but uh, I think that would have taken some wins out of the sales. Uh, but but the one thing I will say in terms of Chicago being a rivalry is I, I think back to our Jeff Lorenowitz interview uh, where we asked him about his time in Chicago, and he kind of said, you know, the fans never really liked me because to them I was always Jeff from New England. Uh, and so I, I, that kind of always that, that comment always kind of stuck with me, uh, that even though it is not the height of the New England-Chicago rivalry, it's still kind of always there a little bit, so. We've accepted uh, Matt Polster, though, and I think uh, I, I think I can ignore his years in Chicago because I think the Revs might have been somewhat irrelevant when he was with Chicago anyway. Matt has been redeemed. I will give him this. Yes, yeah. so. He scored a he scored a great goal against the Revs, he if did. I remember correctly, as a, as an overlapping right back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's more than canceled that out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Left footed, I believe he just like comes flying in and he cuts across the center and just whips in a, a, yeah, a beautiful I, left-footed shot. Uh, boy, I, I'm dating myself. That must have been 2016, 2017, but yeah. Um, Traeger Girati has a couple of questions here. Uh, now that we know we have two full teams that can play at an MLS level, could we see an inter-squad scrimmage for the fans to stay fresh during their layoff while waiting for their playoff opponent to emerge? And then he tags the revs and says, please make it happen. Um, I would, I'd be all for that. And I, I also will go a step further in saying I saw Atlanta uh, open to practice two supporters. So I, I want to see a, a scrimmage, uh, away kits versus home kits, uh, kind of a full 11 on 11. Uh, I said, let's make it happen. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. The more, the more soccer, the better. Uh, maybe we can even get Justin Renix in this game. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got another question here. Uh, Traeger, oh, well, we got to cover this too. I can't believe it's been an hour and 10 before we got into this, but 
And Traeger mentions if the logo uh, that and you tag someone has as his uh, profile picture, I'd be on board. The R with the sash through it misses the mark. We got to do logo talk. Uh, the rebrand has been rumored to come out again. Uh, I don't know why it came out again this week. I kind of missed something. I was off Twitter a little bit, but uh, it has popped back up in MLS. Uh, in case you were not on Twitter, MLS tweeted out, uh, I think it was FIFA ratings with Carly's heel, uh, his card or his his photo, uh, and they, they were supposed to put the Revolution logo next to it, and instead they put up the rumored uh, rebranded crest, uh, which we got from, which came out last May or last June. Uh, so I, I'm on the record of saying I like it, I don't love it. Uh, I, I would like to keep the as much MLS 1.0 stuff as possible, so I am pro-crown <laughs> flag, but I'm not completely upset about it. And I think the important thing is that they're keeping the name New England Revolution, uh, and they're not New England United. Uh, so, Matt, I'll, I'll defer to you. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on this alleged rebrand uh, that is not confirmed, but pretty much everyone has confirmed it? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the first The first time I saw the leak our rumored leak rather um my initial reaction was honestly relief that the name was still there regardless of what the design was um just because yeah it's, it's always been a worry that they'd turn into you know boston fc or something lame like that and kind of cast away all this rich history we've built up um yeah and and yeah as far as the design itself i i think it's i think it's pretty good um Obviously, I love I love the cran cran flag as a so bad it's good sort of meme um, situation logo. But as a graphic designer, I can't like actually endorse the cran flag as <laughs> a long term <laughs> design option. Um, as it just would just be unnatural. But I do I do love the cran flag discourse. Um, I went yeah I I think I prefer just the isolated sort of R with the bunting rather than the, the full circle badge um so hopefully over time they kind of narrow in on that as people get used to it um but i think it's a nice a nice enough design thank goodness they kept the name oh i would be so so disappointed if they changed the name after we got uh montreal club de foot or whatever that is uh and they got rid of montreal impact i, I kind of was that was my like horror moment where i, I kind of realized that new england revolution might go away and we might be new england oh and then the rochester rhinos that was also my horrific moment of like wow mm. these people are actually changing team names that don't need to be changed uh and there's already a bit of a brand there that they don't need to uh kind of shoot themselves in the foot and make these changes so um you know i i, I think we kind of say like well i'd never change the name new england revolution but these other clubs are doing that and it's a bit horrific to me so i i'm with you on that one matt um chris anything to add does i don't know if anyone else in the chat mike i don't know if you have anything to add on this uh rebranding crest if anyone else wants to jump in and give their thought on the logo i figure this is a hot button topic but uh chris um what, what are your thoughts on the rebrand here yeah look i've made an entire video over this on uh on Rev's revolt when the first leak came out uh i don't even remember how long ago this was uh, and that video is basically going over the changes in the logo, what I thought of it, my initial reactions. And I've had a lot of time now to marinate in it since that initial leak came out uh, months ago. Overall, I think it's a fine logo, and I think that it's a good decision to rebrand. I love the crayon flag, don't get me wrong. It's going to be a part of me forever. It's going to be a part of all of us Revolution fans, uh, supporters alike. And the fact that that's going to be going away on the face of the club is a little bit sad to see, 
But you think the league is evolving so much and so rapidly. Uh, I think changing your branding is also a way of establishing growth amongst yourself and and not saying we're still the same old 1996 team uh, from MLS 1.0 where uh, we used to do penalty shootouts with a run-up type deal. Uh, you know, all that, that funny stuff. We're not just a fun and games type team anymore. We're a serious team. And to really kind of abandon that, is, it had to have been a very difficult decision to make. Uh, and I think the logo, the new logo, assuming the leak is correct, could have been better, but I don't hate it. I'm not against it. And I think it was uh, overall the right decision to to move into some some sort of new branding overall. And um, I think to reiterate what everyone else is thinking, we're just all really happy that we're still the revolution uh, and not... Uh, New England United or something like that. Although I guess New England would probably be one of the few places that you could say it's new. It's a United uh, group because it's six States coming together, but uh, it doesn't really work so much in, in DC or other places like that. Uh, anyways, I'll stop that right there. If anyone else has anything they wanted to chime in on, love to hear it. I think what we, we got to do is we had to mix the rebrand with what Matt suggested earlier, where we build a statue of Carla's heel, we just need to make Carla's heel like our new badge. Kind of like how Jerry West is the NBA logo, I think we should just make Carla's heel the revolution badge going forward. It's just kind of like an outline of Carla's heel, you know, making an insane pass or something like that. I think that is a perfectly great idea. So uh, I think that kind of wraps us up here. Oh, Mike does have one more question. It's a good one to go out on. He asks us, where can I find vintage soccer kits for sale in the United States? Uh, Matt, do you have any ideas where Mike can find vintage soccer kits uh, for sale in the United States? Uh, I heard about this place called Galasso Kits. Is that a place that exists? I, I think so. I think so. I, okay. I think they have a promo code. I don't know if you know it offhand, but oh, I think you're going to need that. Th- you're going to need to repeat that for me. I, I think the, they have a they have a promo code. I believe it's Revs Recap. Uh, you get 15% off your order. So Galasso Kits, 15% off your order when you use promo code Revs Recap. Uh, so I, you'll definitely have to check that out, Mike. I, I think that's a from what I hear, that's a very very reliable uh, distributor of soccer gear kits scarves whatever you need there's going to be it's going to be there for you so uh we are getting close to my bedtime here at midnight so i think it's time to wrap it up uh chris actually matt you're you basically were co-hosting this podcast we appreciate you hopping on we had you on earlier this year i've actually been telling chris and sean we need to get matt back on soon uh yeah and i'm I'm very glad you hopped on and i'm very glad you also nailed that prediction in the pregame twitter spaces matt where can people find you on twitter you can find my very rare tweets at um, at three two one Matt Matt Matt. Uh, very infrequent tweeter, but that's where to find me. Um, and yeah, I would absolutely love to be back on. Maybe when the Revs uh, clinch the Shield, we can go in, uh, deep into some Shield lore. That'd be fun. And you can follow the Midnight Riders at Midnight Riders. Uh, so definitely do that too. I also see the Rebellion in here as well. Follow the Rebellion at the Rebellion. Uh, appreciate their support and sticking it out with us through this podcast. Chris, I don't know if you're you're muted, so you might be away from the computer, but where can people find you on social media? I'm never far away. I'm never, never far away. You can always find me over on Twitter, uh, at Chris Lucas, or if you want to just talk soccer exclusively and ignore all my personal stuff, it's at Rose Revolt. 
And then Mike, Mike, I'm also going to count you as a co-host here. You had some very good points today. I don't know if you've fallen asleep. You're probably asleep at your desk uh, or you're going to get coffee because it's like 6 a.m. over there. Oh, unmuted. Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? And also, uh, I know you have a YouTube channel. Uh, Go ahead and promote uh, your stuff and, and where people can find you on social. Yeah, it's just uh, at AnyRevsUK, uh, both on Twitter and on YouTube, although I've, I haven't been producing much content recently because of work schedules and stuff. But uh, there is some old stuff that you might be interested in there. Yeah, it, work gets the best of you sometimes. I've been on, I think, two podcasts the last two months, uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of work lately. It happens. But when you do have new videos, make sure you're subscribed to Mike so you can uh, follow along there. And you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. We also have a Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook page, so make sure you're following us there. Please also take a moment to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to uh, podcasts. And also please rate and review us. We always appreciate five-star reviews, and it helps us grow very much and if you know someone who is looking for a revolution podcast give us a shout uh there aren't a lot of revolution podcasts we need more coverage god knows the mainstream uh, boston media is not going to be doing it so uh please uh, if you know anyone looking for more revs talk uh please give us a shout so uh that just about does it there is an orlando game on saturday i believe i didn't write it down saturday at 7 p.m Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, and I know Sean Donahue is going to be hosting that podcast. So we will have a new podcast for you either Sunday or Monday recapping that game. Until then, for everyone listening and for everyone who has stuck it out in this hour plus in this Twitter spaces, thank you all for listening and go Revs.